Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, your client loaned $100,000 to a former business partner to use to flip properties, but the former partner used the money to pay off his own personal debts. Yeah, Dennis, the challenge here was that the defendant claimed to not have any money. Even his own lawyer claimed the defendant wasn't paying him. So how did you resolve it? Well, we put his money where his mouth was, asking, why don't you just agree to stipulate to a judgment that would save our client and his tens of thousands of dollars pursuing this matter in court. Now my client has a judgment as though he had gone to trial and won. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. Thanks so much for tuning in with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. So um, we have much, much to discuss in the world of the, uh, the radical Islamic world and how our president is responding to it. First, um, the news on this issue. One is that Obama has decided that, by golly, he's going he's gonna to do something about this uh, you know the the the, the uh, rebels who are fighting Assad and this ISIS business by by how he's going to he's going to bring in 50 more uh, advisors in order to assist the rebels against Assad and presumably uh, the fight against ISIS as well at the same time. So he's doing something, don't you know? And it, the pundits are talking about this as though, and and they're right to talk about it. It goes, oh gosh, this is the latest strategy speech from. From Obama, and you could do a montage scene, right? Of all the like, here's now I'm going to do this. I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do. And I'm going to do a little team. bit. Yeah, it's a JV team. I mean, it would be it'd be quite funny, actually. In fact, there's so many of these that you actually do time lapse photography, and that you actually could, could actually seem as if he's actually moving. The only thing that would be changing, of course, is is the nature of his clothes and maybe the graying of his hair. But and that's the about Chiron it. Chiron from Fox to CNN to ABC to NBC. Yeah. You know, <laughs> who's holding the press conference? Right, right. It would be like uh, the Simpsons once did a, a spoof on 60 Minutes with Homer being interviewed, and there was a clock behind him, and the clock was jumping <laughs> as they spliced the different sound bites together. Yes, that was really great. <laughs> I do remember that one. As you know, all of life's lessons can be learned from any particular episode of The Simpsons. You just have to look deep. All right. Anyway, uh, let's let's uh, talk about this though, because they talk about this as, as a strategy of some kind. Of gosh, the president is this going to be an effective strategy this time? Uh, are we actually going to see some results this time? Uh, and and some of his liberal supporters will say, well, gosh, we're talking about special ops. These special ops will be really effective this time. And to all this, I say malarkey. That's right. I went there. I said malarkey. Why, why, why do I say this is malarkey? Because I do think that there, there is a strategy, but not the ones that they're claiming that they are, that it's this ever-changing strategy. No, no, no. There's a long-term strategy going on from this administration for years. I would say for seven years, for the entire administration. 
And what is that strategy? It's a strategy of doing as little as possible to fight radical Islam. Okay? That, that is what it is. All the evidence points to that very clearly. Pulling out from Iraq without a single man left. Not pursuing uh, Assad when it came to the red line. Uh, leading chemical from, weapon red line. The chemical weapon red line, thank you. Uh, leading from behind in Libya. Um, and not, not fighting uh, the, uh, the ISIS bastards when it came to what they did to the uh, Yazidis uh, or what they did to the Coptic Christians. Not crying out when uh, Christians are being slaughtered all, all over the place. Okay? The, the, it, we can go on, of course, about this. Supporting uh, Morsi uh, as opposed to supporting Mubarak. Mubarak yeah. as, or, or his subsidy, Al Sisi, yeah. And Al Sisi, by the way, is great. He's becoming something uh, very, a, a, a man to watch in, in a good sense. But, but I digress. All the things that we just talked about, everything that's consistent about it is that they are uh, truly doing nothing. The administration is truly doing nothing about this. Almost as if they were having a conference with the bad guys, whether it's ISIS or otherwise. Of course, they're not having a conference with them. Don't, don't get me wrong. But they might as well be having a conference with them every once in a while, meeting by secret envoy. And saying, look, the president is now going to be uh, sending in a couple of advisors. Oh, but we don't like that. Uh, no, no, don't worry. It, this is totally ineffective. It means nothing. It just makes Obama look like he's doing something. You want him to do this because, you know, you want him to be ineffective, but look like he's trying to do something. Ah, yes, okay, very good. You go forward, Mr. Obama. And that's exactly what's happening. There's no way that he can reasonably think that putting 50 advisors on the ground is somehow going to going to turn the tide of the war against uh, Assad or against ISIS. I mean, please. That's not his surge? <laughs> That's his surge, yeah, exactly. But but there's no way he can think of this. Does he really think that, that at some point, maybe two years hence, or in his book, uh, and the day that I put in 50 advisors, uh, that was the, the turning point in the war? Come on. No, nobody really thinks that. No, no general thinks that. He doesn't think that. Nobody in his administration thinks that. And you and I don't think that. Okay, so it, it's, it's simply window dressing to, to make it look as if he's doing something. To fool the American people. Plain and simple. That explains 100% every single step he has taken vis-a-vis -vis the Muslim world. And now I allow Ari David to clap vigorously. <laughs> and why? Because he knows that I have come about. Full circle. On his, well, not maybe full circle, but I've come to, because I've, I've, I've always thought that he was inept in his handling of the Middle East. But, and for that matter, the, the economy as well. But my, my whole posture up to this point has been, Look, uh, the, the president doesn't know what he's doing. I, I was one of those people saying, you can't possibly win this war. And, but that assumed that he wanted to win the war. And now the only thing that actually makes sense, because I, I cannot believe that, as we just said, that he thinks that putting 50 advisors there is going to do anything, right, other than, fool, other than an attempt to fool us. So I, I know that he's reasonably intelligent, after all, as they keep on pointing out. He went to Columbia and Harvard Law School. Therefore, he must be brilliant, as if that means anything, right? It doesn't. Because if he's so brilliant, then, 
he would know that putting 50 men and pulling, you know, 50 advisors will do nothing, and that pulling every man from Iraq would, would do nothing, and that, that you can't trust uh, Assad with the, the red line, the chemical uh, red line and such. The, the, the none of this, anything that he's doing would make any sense. There's also one other point to this that I think is just rich. He went to Harvard. He went to Columbia. What war is studied by the left on end? It starts with a V. <laughs> Vietnam. Right. Well, what did Johnson do? What did Kennedy do? Kennedy do? What are we constantly drumbeaten to with with the history of the left about how they escalated Vietnam? They first they put in yeah. some advisors, mission creep, then yeah. some more advisors, yeah. then the mission creeped, and then there was the Tet Offensive. It all started with advisors, and and Obama's own words always said over and over, "I'm not going to put." Boots on the ground. There'll be no boots on the ground. Ground yeah. boots, no ground, you know? But it's different. Yeah. It's different because back in Vietnam, there was no Vietnam before it, right, so to speak. Uh, and, and I put well, that's Vietnam in quite well, He went to an institution where they do nothing but study Vietnam. Right. So, so it's clear he's not going to do another Vietnam in that sense. Right. That's what you're saying. I think we agree. He, the 50 advisors will not be a mission creep. Don't, don't you worry, everybody. <laughs> all, all you, you know, Harvard uh, liberals who are worrying about whether this is a mission creep. And, and the, the, the lessons of Vietnam need to be uh, heeded and such. Don't worry. He ain't going to do it. <laughs> he's not interested in that. Why? Because he's not interested in fighting the Muslims. He's not, he, that's the last thing he wants to do. He wants to be perceived specifically by the Arab world as a friend to the Arab world and to the Muslims. He has an affinity for Islam. And no, I don't think he's a Muslim. I don't care if he's Muslim. We've said this uh, probably every other show, right? What matters is that he has such an affinity for Islam, and he wants to make it very clear that he Islam good, uh, Israel bad, and for that matter, Christianity bad too. Okay, th this is his whole approach, and the whole strategy has been one strategy and only one strategy to fool us into thinking that he's doing something. That, my friends, explains every single step he's taken. Yeah, and there's this other side of it. You were talking earlier about al-Sisi and, um, yeah. and uh, uh, the uh, uh, Assad and uh, uh, Gaddafi and, and uh, Mubarak, and all of these guys might have been Muslim rulers of countries. And also, don't forget how he treated the Saudi royal family, okay? Yeah. Sure, he bowed to them, but he, with the Iran deal, really jacked them over. He specifically is on the side of Islamism that is anti the residual governments left over by the colonial institutions. Right, because right. it was the British and the French who instituted the Awalites in, in Syria and in Jordan and, and the royal family from the uh, family of Saud in Arabia and, and uh, the, the Ba'athist party in, in um, Iraq. You got, you got it. So when he supports a Morsi, it's a different... Uh, legacy than the, the military legacy in Egypt, which is hold over the colonial days. It's specifically anti-colonial in its its tone. Well, I, I, I think that <clears throat> I think you're giving him too much credit. Uh, I would think it's easier simply to explain that his love for Morsi, his backing of Morsi, was because he saw the opportunity to advance the Muslim Brotherhood. Well, absolutely, and, that, but, and that's that's all yeah. you need. Uh, whether uh, whether or not Obama saw the the military uh, backup as as synonymous or an echo of the colonialist past, I don't think he's that. No, smart. no, he doesn't. I agree with you. He doesn't have the kind of sophistication. But those who would point to those governments and say, "Well, those are Muslim governments," 
True, they were, but they usually use their anti-Semitism and anti-Israel positions as a cover for their own people to retain power. Right. They, after, say, the, the Yom Kippur War, Egypt and Jordan and Saudi Arabia never actually engaged with Israel in a, a shooting war. For various reasons. Right. First of all, because they'd lose, and second of all, it wasn't good for business. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, I'm with you on this, but but let's stick to the to the main mission, which is to understand this as a, a clear strategy, very very succinct strategy, and a very simplistic one too, by the way, where he is doing everything he can to make it appear as if he's doing something. That's the strategy. Yeah. And when, and 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 I know that a, for for a lot of our listeners right now, there's a light bulb going off. I never thought of it that way, they're saying. And they're right. And nor did I think about it until one moment. And what was the, the moment that did, you'll be surprised when I say this. But sometimes small things reveal everything. It turns on a, a light switch that you never knew was there. Here it is. It was a, a juxtaposing of a picture of Obama in the Oval Office with the Saudi prince. And uh, he's very jocular with him, very laughing and very unctuous with him and, uh, you know, very obsequious to his every need. Okay? Um, leaning forward, making sure, that, you know, with a very nice smile, making sure to please this Saudi prince. And comparing that, by contrast, to the way he deals with the Israeli prime minister, Bibi Netanyahu. I, I doubt... Uh, although I'm sure it's possible, I have not seen a single photo of he and Bibi smiling and yakking it up. And certainly, even if you can find me that one, certainly not one where they're yakking it up and being really pleasant with each other in the same way in the Oval Office as as I saw with the Saudi prince. You mean a picture of Barack Hussein Obama and Bibi Netanyahu in which there wasn't the tension of an alcoholic intervention within the Kennedy family <laughs> exactly. or something like that. Yeah, I'm talking about like a, where, where Obama is like, you know, kicking his, his, his arching his, his neck back in laughter, like something really funny has just been said. Uh, and they're just kicking it, kicking it easy, right? And likewise with Bibi, but there's such seriousness to it. And it's like, well, you know, for, for Bibi, sorry, for Obama, when he sees Bibi, it's like, okay, well, here's the. Mother-in-law, you now have to entertain. Right. right? <laughs> it's just really, really unpleasant, but you're doing it totally because your wife demands you to. Right? That's, that's the way it is. <laughs> and he sees... <laughs> but, but that's the way it is. And, and, and when I saw those two different photos in that, that juxtaposition, it suddenly it, it, it uh, triggered something in me. And yes, of course. He wants to please the Arab world. And... He, you could see it in how he treats the Saudi prince. And at the same time, he wants to please the Arab world by, by showing his negativity and, and despising of Bibi Netanyahu. Who is, who is he doing that for? He knows that the photos are being taken. So the last thing he wants is to make it look to the Arab world like he is somehow supportive of Bibi Netanyahu. Yes. Uh, we don't want you to see, we, we don't like it when you yuck it up with uh, Bibi, Mr. President. Yeah. With the Jew. With the Jew, yeah, exactly yeah. right. And with those Israelis, you know, those goddamn Israelis. And, uh, yeah, well, you see how serious I am about this, and I just have to, I have to see this guy, and, and that's, you know, don't worry. I gave him a stern warning also. So it's all there. It's, it's plain as day when you think about it. So now, now I, I see it clearly. I see because people, people first, of all, first of all, act consistently. And secondly, people are not that dumb. 
Okay, because I, there's no way you can tell me that a president after seven years can truly think that putting in 50 soldiers, advisors, is going to stop the war. gigantic army that's drawing yeah. millions of soldiers from around the world and earning $20 million a day in oil money yeah, to it, pay them? Uh, it's, it's, it's laughable. <laughs> and, 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 you know, so so all the other commentators are out there saying that's naive, Mr. Obama. Don't you? We need real ground troops, and he's just—it's not that he's laughing at them. He just knows he's not going to do anything, and he's going to say, "I'm just doing the the minimal I can to make it look as if I'm acting for America, when in fact I am doing whatever I can uh, to please and placate the Arab world, so that they think nicely of me." That's not. I'm not saying that he's acting in treason, uh, in a treasonous way. Yeah, I'll say that. You'll say that. Say uh, but I am saying that he's clearly doing. He, his need to be loved by the Arab world is so, so huge, and pathetic. I would say, it's it, it's really pathetic, that it that it controls his every decision. Well, you know, you know what's interesting though is, uh, I think we both have some Arab friends. Yeah, and uh, I do, and I, I have some uh, Muslim friends. I don't know if they're Arabic. Well, but I have Arab and Muslim friends. Yeah, they're they're both, and these Muslim friends have no love for the Saudi royal family, and they have no love for the terrorist uh, Islamist movement either. They look at the Islamist crazies the same way we would look at a corrupt uh, television evangel and evangelist who is stealing money from old ladies and spending on our prostitutes. And, and they look at the, the decadence of the royal family as a bunch of hypocrites. Um, so it's not those people that Obama is trying to curry love and favor with. It's from the, the equivalent of the television preachers. That's that exactly right. That's exactly right. I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about it, but I, I know that now I know what's going on. I mean, we, we should all know what's going on. It's seven years. I mean, just piece it together. Yeah, stop yeah. being an idiot, yeah. people. Yeah. You know, come on. Yeah. You know, I, I have a little trick um, that, that I use, actually, when it comes to um, uh, when, when, it, when it comes to explaining God, right? And, and I can use it, though, for so many other things. And I'll, I'll use it for this. And, and this is a radio, you know, a podcast, so we can't really quite show it. But imagine, if you will, you know, drawing, you know, like three dots, okay? You draw three dots. And I, and I give that piece of paper to you, and I say, Ari, what is this? And you say... I don't know. It's only three dots as far as I'm concerned. Okay, fine. And then I take it back and I draw some more dots. Now I draw, let's say, another six dots. Okay? And I say, what is this? And you say, I still don't know what this is. And I keep on drawing and drawing until the point that you start seeing an outline forming. And you realize this is a sort of an animal. Right? And then I, and you, but you don't know what kind of animal. And then I keep on drawing more and more dots that fill in the spaces and after a while, it looks like an elephant. You see the trunk, you see the tusks, you see the four legs, you see the tail, and you see the kind of the unique shape of, a, of an elephant. Yeah, it's kind of crudely drawn, but there it is. And you say, that's an elephant. And I can say, no, it's not. It's a bunch of dots, <laughs> right? Randomly forming, okay? And there's, you know, an elephant doesn't look like that. But yeah, but it's, it's suggesting the shape of an elephant. No, 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 Ari, it's not. It's not yet. You know, it's not alive. It's not. I mean, it would be silly at some point. But what I'm trying to say is there, there are so many dots here, so many data points, that if you were to just take it from day one, not even day one, from, from before 
the presidency during his campaign. The things he said, the How about actions, his books? That, hold, hold, hold on, the, the things that he said, the actions that he undertook, everything, one step at a time, and then of course the presidential decisions that he committed to, the things he didn't do, and did do, the people he visited, the contempt that he had to Bibi Netanyahu, the love that he had for every Muslim leader, um, the, the bizarre finding of respect for um, the, the Osama bin Laden when, when he killed, when he caused, you know, allowed that to oh, happen. Oh, that weird funeral. The weird funeral. It's, it's, it's all about it. It's all weird. His love for the, 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 the siren, the, the fire prayers or the, the sirens that are called for when he was a little boy in Indonesia. Um, his reference to um, that there would, the future does not belong to those who defame the, the slander that the, the prophet of Islam. At the UN, he spoke. At the words. UN. And his treatment of Iran, of course. Right, his not going to the Paris demonstration, to the, the bizarre treatment in Iran. I mean, it goes on and on, this list, the Morsi thing, as we said. So you, to not connect those dots and not see the elephant, as it were, to not realize this pattern, you know, shame on you, right? I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed of myself that I didn't see it earlier. I should have seen it maybe two years ago. Tried to help you. <laughs> Ari's, uh, he's, he's uh, you know, a little bit disappointed in me. <laughs> no, no. But he's still glad that I came finally to the right place. And, uh, and, and, I, and I, do, I do think that it's, it's kind of plain as day at this point. Yeah. You know, the best you can give him is just like this, this silly man, uh, President Obama I'm speaking about, the silly man who is, doesn't, doesn't realize he's doing the bidding of the bad guys. That that he's his love for uh, Islam is so is so pervasive. It so animates his every decision and thought process that he's actually hurting the country, and in that way, he's like the Alec Guinness character in the Bridge of the River Kwai. Who's you know if you haven't seen that movie, he's he's uh, he oversees the building of a bridge in a prisoner war camp in in uh, in an island in the Philippines, and not realizing that. The pride with which he's causing his people to work on this bridge is actually helping the enemy, right? He forgets that he's helping the enemy, that, that for what he should be doing is sabotaging it. And uh, this is where Obama may be. The, now the question becomes whether or not Obama is doing this intentionally because he wants to hurt America or whether he's more like the Alec Guinness character who's only realizing at the very last second, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Who knows? We'll know that from his books. <laughs> but Ari yeah. just rolled his eyes. Ari rolled his eyes. <laughs> look, I, 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 look I, I would, let's put it this way. I would not at all be surprised if it is truly his intent to hurt America, uh, especially when you think about how he's trying to diminish the, the military as much as possible. There's just too many good examples to, to prove your point, Ari. And uh, maybe I need to see that particular elephant as well. Yeah, and... I, the, the argument is not American or Western culture-centric here. As I talked about my friends who are from the Arab world, it's hurting them worse. Yeah. It's putting in the permanent and persistence of governments that are tormenting the people on the ground. Oh, it, it, it goes without just saying. unbelievable. It goes without saying. It's the, 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 it, now, now, he's doing it not only from a foreign policy point of view, but also from a domestic point of view. Uh, we, we, Breitbart recently forwarded over a, a very interesting article about how uh, the schools are teaching more and more 
about how Islam is an appropriate religion. We're learning more about uh, Islam. And they're not just teaching about Islam. They're teaching Islamic practices. Like, for instance, they're having projects where you make your own prayer rug and then kneel on it. Yeah. Recite the five pillars of Islam. Say things like, you know, including the first one, which is God is the only God, or Allah is the only God, and, and Muhammad is his prophet. Yeah. You know, actual... Actual stuff that if you did the Jewish or Christian equivalent in a public school, we're talking public school here, the lawsuit would be enormous. Yes, exactly. But because it's from, uh, because it's regarding Islam, then that somehow it gets a complete pass. And God forbid if everyone, if anyone tried to stop it on the grounds of the First Amendment. Um, this is from Breitbart.com, which uh, came out apparently uh, November 2nd, 2015, titled How Academic Standards Promoting Islam Have Invaded America's Classrooms. And I'll just give you the first paragraph. A mindset that has gradually led American parents to leave the education of their children unchecked to schools and elitists have spawned controversies such as the promotion of Islam in classrooms and the unpopular Common Core Standards. All right. Uh, I'll read the next one. Er eruptions have occurred in more states recently over the promotion of Islam and the downplaying of America's Judeo-Christian foundation in school districts around the country. While some have attributed the controversy uh, to the common core standards, what is closer to the truth is that the same philosophy that has encouraged parents to leave educating their children to the experts, that's in quotes, has produced both the education reform and the teaching of Islamic beliefs in the classroom, to which I say, you don't say. Yeah. Right? This is uh, inevitable. And the creeping of Islamic teachings uh, is going to be more and more uh, apparent with time, uh, partly because this administration seeks to push it. And also, uh, I once spoke with uh, Brigitte Gabriel about this. And she said one of the things that's happened basically since around the year 1993 is the different organizations like CARE have actually been lobbying school boards to get this stuff in under yeah. the idea that it would be good for the kids' breadth of multicultural background. Of course, it goes without saying that this is, this is what they're going to try to do. And, and it, it's all under that guise. But look also, um, and, and I, this is, I'm going back to Obama because I really do want to say that he's complicit in this as well. There are two things that I've noticed. So one, one I'm about to say is very small, and the other one is much bigger. The very small one is how I remember when, when he, in the first year of his presidency, he needed to appoint a NASA director. He appointed one, and, and they asked him, what did the president ask you in terms of what he expects you to do now that you're downsizing NASA and such? He said... And, and the, the bizarre look on his face, like he himself was so perplexed, he said this, the president wanted me to make sure to showcase the achievements of Muslims in science. Okay. Did he want anything else, Mr. Director? Uh, he didn't say anything else. Yeah, mission to Mars, space shuttle, satellites, Hubble <laughs> telescope, no, no. version two. No, no, no. He said, he said nothing else. Okay, this is it. So, right. his one thing to say was showcase the the successes of Muslims in science. By the way, that'll be a very short <laughs> short uh, paragraph. <laughs> algebra. They did algebra. You got to give them that. Okay. And I that's do. it. And it's the one that's part it. of math I hate more than any other. <laughs> so thank you very little. That's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, now the bigger one. 
which is more, I mean, but that reflects his attitude, doesn't it, right? Yeah. He wants to bring in Islam and a love of Islam into America. Then the bigger one, which is a love of Islam and to actually bring in Muslims into America as much as possible through the immigration policy. We spoke about this before on this podcast where on the one hand, he wants, he's now talking about bringing in 100,000 of these Syrian refugees uh, into America, where he started off by saying it was only 3,000, and now it's going to be 10,000, then it's going to be 30,000, and now they're talking about 100,000. And at the same time, he's pushing away Christian Syrian refugees. The uh, victims. The, the actual victims. So, so where do, how are we to, uh, to interpret this, shall we say? So he's advancing, you know, an increasing population of Muslims, uh, also, of course, advancing uh, is Islamic ideology and faith as much as possible. And then, of course, he says, you know, the high horse comment about Christianity and everything else. So you the Crusades. Yeah, the Crusades. As if yeah. that happened yesterday. Yeah. Oh, just uh, <laughs> the wounds are still deep, my friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, the scar is still healed. So I, I don't know what to make of this president, uh, other than what is what, what to me is very clear. He has a very strong pro-Muslim affinity. It animates every core of his being. He acts consistently with that. Uh, attitude and, and his core philosophy. And I think it's going to be, whether he intends it or not, it's going to be destructive to us all. Because radical Islam is truly today the most dangerous, most pernicious element that threatens us and the rest of Western civilization for that matter. Why can't they say what they want? Why can't they just say Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case involving a $220,000 promissory note, and you won a trial, but later discovered that the defendant had transferred all his assets. Dennis, when judgment debtors don't want to pay, they may shift assets over to their relatives, asking them to hold them till the coast is clear. How did you get the payment? The defendant had transferred title to two commercial buildings. We convinced them to admit it was an illegal transfer. That led to a great settlement with guarantees from relatives with penalties. And don't you know, they're making payments every month on time like clockwork. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. executive order by the Obama administration that requires a school in Illinois to allow a, uh, a boy who feels himself to be a girl to um, shower up and change and everything else in the girls' locker room. 
and uh, they have to, he, has, he has to be able to do so without any restrictions whatsoever. I think they originally tried to restrict him so that we would have some sort of curtain around him so that there would be a division. But no, 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 no. He, he wants, you know, as if somehow that's a, a great offense to him. I, I don't understand that. If he doesn't want to be around boys, okay, fine. But, and he, and, but he, he needs to have girls, he needs to force girls to look at him, to, to see his penis. What's, what's the deal? You know, and, and you need to force him to see vaginas. But, but this, is, this is what's going on, right? Okay. So you're with me so far? Yes. yes. All right. My so, head is spinning, but yes, I'm <laughs> yes, with you. Yes, that's right. Um, this, this, the logic behind this is, is truly befuddling, of course. Putting aside what we talk, talked about many podcasts ago, that the, the, the number of people who actually suffer from this trans, what is it, transmorphia? I forget the name. Whatever that, that this this condition where they they don't even understand who they are, it's generitis. <laughs> generitis. Uh, it's one out of thirty-five thousand people. Okay, that's an enormously significant amount. But they a significant, insignificant amount. But they want us to change our entire uh, you know lexicon and the way we perceive ourselves. And and this is the next great constitutional frontier, don't you know? The civil rights frontier, no less. So because you know that they, they never stop. Right, they they got their the gay marriage uh, agenda all passed and squared away. Good for you. Uh, and now they have to keep on going. It has. To, it, it's literally the next day. It, it, there wasn't a day where we all said kumbaya. When right? you land on the moon, you got to shoot for Mars. That's right. I right? guess so. Well, <laughs> I guess so. But that, that that's not fair to space exploration because no. the, 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 you know the the notion of space exploration is about knowledge, right? We want to. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's nowhere close to that, right? It's not a scientific frontier. I'm all for scientific frontiers. I want to learn everything we can about the cosmos. Uh, yeah, that's right, a believer, uh, somebody who, who knows that there's a God, actually wants to learn all this stuff. And you know what? I want to, I want to learn it better than you, you jackasses who don't believe in God. And I bet you that I, I want to learn more about it than you do. Why? Because I know that the more we learn about science the more inconceivable it is that the universe can be created, could have been created randomly. And it'll be so transparent, so clear, that a designer, that a designer made this all. That even you, the atheist, might be smart enough to figure this out. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not impressed with the atheists. You know, they, they, they don't strike me as a, a particularly intelligent bunch. But they, they definitely feel themselves, they believe themselves to be very, very bright. You know why? Because they get to say, I don't see a God, therefore there is no God. Brilliance. Wow. You, you thought about that all by yourself, did you? That's almost like arguing, I don't believe in God because some people wrote a book that said that they don't believe in God, and since they what? don't believe in God and they wrote it down, maybe I won't either. Good enough, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like I don't know. It's like saying uh, I don't believe that my, my partner is uh, behind me in, in, in the other office uh, working away because I don't see her. You know, done. You know, thank you very much. <laughs> We're here all week. No, it, it, it's it's absurd. It's silly. But but they actually perceive that argument to be really super intelligent. You, do you realize how stupid that is? Yeah. To simply, oh, I do. Well, I, I don't see it. I don't hear it. I don't feel it. So there ain't no God. Yeah. Oh really? What what about the power of deduction? How about that? The the, the improbability, the the infinitesimal improbability that something could have happened randomly. 
you've given them the watch on the beach argument, right? That the watch could have somehow made itself, right? You say that's absurd. And, and the notion that we as humans could be made, which are far more compl complicated, could be made uh, randomly, that's even more absurd. Okay, I, th I think I'm digressing here. The, the point is, we're going back to the whole transgender thing, the exploration of science, uh, why I want to, to explore science. Here, however, the progressive monster wants to keep on progressing. Uh, and, and they call it progress, but it's no, it's no progress whatsoever. It's simply trying to fight, find rights in the most bizarre places possible. Once they get the transgender thing all squared away, whatever that might mean, right, whether, that's, whether their ultimate goal is to be able to allow all men and women uh, smell each other's um, farts and uh, hear each other pee, you know, as if some, that's some sort of glorious day. You know, what, what, what's going to happen there? Is, there? is there a big celebration in that, <laughs> right? Like, like the day that the gay marriage was allowed, you know? <laughs> Will they put colors on the White House at that point? What, what, what other colors, by the way, that, that are going to be involved in the transgender thing, right? You tell me. And, and, you know, we're all going to be crying and all the transgender, all, you know, all five of them will get together <laughs> and say, today is a great day for us, right? That's what it's going to be. And, and, but what are they going to be celebrating? The right to, the, like I said, the right to smell each other's uh, body odors. The fact that the, a flag of shades of gray is flying over the White House. I guess so. I just something bizarre. Shades of ambiguous gray. Yes. Great. Uh, who, who, uh, I, I don't, I it's don't incredible get... what people focus on is important now. I, it, of all the things... Well, yeah, no, you're, 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 you're jumping on that one, and, sorry, I, and I, I want to get to that. So, so let me get this straight. Obama can be very feel very good about that he did this executive order on this ex extraordinarily important thing to allow this one boy to, be, uh, to force uh, the girls around him to see his penis. That was very important. Good for you, Obama. I'm really impressed. You, you can go back to sleep knowing that you made America just a little bit better today. What a, what a fool. I mean, to, to actually think that he believes this. Uh, okay, so, but in the meantime, of course, you know, you really solved the most important problem. You, you, you're letting ISIS and, and everyone else uh, destroy the Middle East. You're letting everyone else be decapitated and such, and you're letting, and you're advancing the Muslim march, and you're encouraging the illegal immigration of, uh, of uh, tens of thousands of uh, terrorist immigrants into yeah. into America yeah. and also into uh, Europe, and you're applauding all that. But letting prisoners and felons out onto the streets of sure. America to cause mayhem, havoc, and violence. Exactly right. right. You know, deconstructing our military completely to pre-World War II levels, but that's not important. What is important is that now we're slowly moving toward that glorious day when we all have to be forced to see the opposite sex relieve themselves. Good for you. Okay? This, this, is, this is progress. Okay? And if you're, if you're a, of the mindset that you're a progressive, I ask you, are you proud of this? Is this something that you, you feel that this is really neato? Okay. Now, okay, so now I ask you, because we know that the, pro the, the progress monster, the progressive monster, always must continue. It has to continue gobbling up. And so I started off by saying, you know, what happens after that glorious day? Because there'll be maybe a day of kumbaya. A day. What's next? After, yeah, the, tra right. after the transgenders are all allowed, all five of them, like I said, to, to go into whatever bathroom they want, and they, and they force everyone uh, to be put in a position where they say, well, I feel like going into the women's bathroom today. After that glorious day that you achieved, what do you think is next? 
if you're asking me, it's it's obvious they're moving towards the legalization of child molestation. That is the ultimate. I'm, I'm beginning to think that you're that's, right. That's a horizon that once you reach it, there isn't a lot that you can go beyond. Yeah. And everything that's happening is moving in that direction. Right. It's undeniable. Well, it, and and before you start rolling your eyes and saying, you know, there Barack goes Ari again. Yeah, there goes Ari and Barack for that matter. But uh, let me tell you how it'll happen. Because it won't be as if they'll say, okay, now you can start uh, raping uh, seven-year-old boys. It won't be like that. It'll be much more subtle than that. First, they'll say, look, this whole 18-year-old uh, restriction, that's a little bit arbitrary, right? Because there are some 17-year-olds that are very mature, more mature than uh, 20-year-olds. And it should really be more of a maturity test, don't you think? And the age of consent is 16 in some states. So shouldn't we have a uniform code yes. for all of America and get rid of these discrepancies? Right, just like the gay marriage uh, ruling, the constitutional ruling, it, you know, it, it, all these inconsistencies, well, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and by golly, the, the relationship, uh, you know, the, the, the child should not feel humiliated or, uh, by the fact that his parents are not recognized as married in one state, whereas they, they were recognized in the state that he came from. And that just ain't right. And also, so wait, wait, wait. So, so, yeah. so, you know, the same logic could apply in here, right? If the age of consent is 16 in some states, and now you cross over and you're and you're doing exactly the same thing you've been doing for a year now, and you're still, you know, under the age of consent in that particular state, well, then isn't that humiliating to you, right? It's so it's so easy. So you can see how it would slip into that, and then it'll go one step further. It'll say, well, look. Puberty is puberty, right? I mean, after the age of 13, uh, so, you know, by golly, uh, you know, there are many cultures, uh, confirmation for in the Catholic Church and bar mitzvahs and such in, in Judaism, you know, you're recognized to be an adult, or at least responsible for your own choices. Yeah, it's religion. So if you're, if you're allowed to do that, well, then shouldn't you be allowed to, to do that if the child feels like it, yeah. right? Who are you, parent, to tell your child what to do? Right, we're just pro-religion here, What's, right? <laughs> well, I can see that. I, yeah, yeah, whether it's pro-religion or otherwise, which you know, they, they even wouldn't even say pro-religion. They would simply say, you know, you gotta you gotta respect the body of the uh, the young teenager that's your son. You don't own him, and he loves somebody who's a little bit older. And who are you to tell him that he he's not entitled to his feelings? And and this is dovetailing, by the way, very easily with all the teaching in school where they're teaching you that um, anal sex is just another form of, of sex that's equally enjoyable, and some people prefer that. Hey, and hey, you, little Bobby, you might enjoy that too. You don't knock it until you try it. And they're teaching sex at a younger, younger age anyway. And girls are very pushy now to, to the boys. You know, girls advance faster than, than boys are. Um, so all of this is getting mixed in, and people are learning about sex at a far earlier age as it is. So sex is no longer going to be the final frontier, so to speak. Um, it's going to be like the, the, the book Brave New World, where sex was routinely played during recess in elementary school. And, and a kid gets actually in trouble for not agreeing to uh, participate in sexuality with this. This girl complains about this boy who won't, won't play with her sexually. And she gets very upset, and, and the boy gets in trouble. So... That world is coming. And then, uh, of course, a huge mo movement of the left is, of course, teachers and teachers' unions. Why should all these teachers go to jail just because they love themselves, their students? That's right. You can see that argument on the verge of happening. Yeah. It, it will be um, that the taboo of 
sex with younger children, there may, there may still be a final frontier age. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 11. But there's, it's going to be very low very quickly. And they may even allow nudity with a child so long as you actually don't actually have actual penetration. Um, that might be playful, like uh, you know, oral sex, for example. Or toys. Small-sized yeah, toys right. to break them in. They're just feeling good. Yeah. You know, and, and, and little kids, uh, boys and girls alike, they, you know, during their young young age, and this is, you know, this is a more mature subject, and we might want to say that ahead of time, but but girls and boys, you know, they play with themselves a little bit to discover their bodies. So what's the problem there? Right. Those parts of the body feel good at any age. They, yeah. they, they are, our intellectual and elitist betters will say to us right. when we argue that it's this is a perversion of value. That's right. And they'll say, you know what, Barak and Ari, you know, your Puritan way of thinking is no different than those silly Puritans who said that a woman couldn't show her ankles. In the, in the 1920s and 30s. I'm not the one making arguments against <laughs> yoga pants. Mr. Yoga pants. Uh, but but you, you get the point. I mean, it's one thing to, to show a little skin uh, of leg and another thing to actually, you know, engage in full-on sex. I mean, With you, a child. Yeah. I mean, the, the difference is too obvious, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's one thing to, to say, forget about sex with children. Uh, just the exposing of children, you know, to, to nudity. Uh, versus a, a child seeing a woman's legs up to her knees or even up to her, uh, you know, the mid-thigh. That, the child's not going to be confused and not going to say, oh my gosh, I've seen something I shouldn't be seeing. Um, he, he doesn't think, you know, any less innocently because he's seen a woman's leg above her knees. Okay, but he will start thinking a lot less innocently if you show her nude. And not only that, but if, if you see, you know, girls and, and boys playing with each other in front of each other, and not only that, but encouraging each other to play. It's just, it, the whole thing is, it makes me want to throw up. But this is, this is not far afield. This is, right. and, and the people we're talking about, the agendas, yeah. know it makes us want to throw up. And that's one of the reasons they do it, to push those envelopes yeah. and impose it on us. Right. The same way they're throwing bakers and florists in jail or hitting them with confiscatory fines resulting in economic ruin because they don't want to participate in a right. heathen ceremony. You see, I think that um, that the new progressive monster, that might be one of them, you know, but it's, it's going to be one of these things, okay? For sure, the, the progressive monster has to attack somewhere. And it's always sexual in nature. Yes, that's where I'm going with this. Okay, now, it'll be either um, polygamy, incest, I think less so incest because there's not that much of a clamoring for incest compared to polygamy. Uh, but I think polygamy... Yet. Yeah, yeah. But polygamy will be, I think, the next target. Okay. Now, you kind of jumped the gun a little bit for me before because I wanted to say, you know, this whole thing about the, uh, the, the transgenderism in the, the bathroom, that, um, you know, it's all based upon what? It's based upon the boy's feeling that he's a girl. And that, that's all that's important is what his feelings are at the moment. And by golly, we cannot, you know, hurt his feelings and because that's everything, apparently. And never mind, of course, the obvious retort to that is, well, what about all the girls' feelings? Are they, uh, do they not have a legitimate concern that they, that they are they're in the presence of a, a, a nude male and that that makes them uncomfortable? I mean, is that not meaningful? Don't we live in a democracy, by the way, where, where let's say, if there are 20 girls in that same locker room, 
all of whom feel equally awkward about this. But this boy, so so he has to he gets to impose his feelings upon them, but they don't get to impose their feelings upon him. Yeah, tyranny by the minority. Yeah, tyranny, tyranny by the minority. Exactly right. Majority. So, so putting that that aside, let me ask you this: What if I? I'm making this up, but let's say I am just terrified by the very sight and smell of mustard. Okay, I just hate it. You too. <laughs> That's right. But but let's but let's say, let's say, I, and for for whatever reason, it makes me feel, uh, it brings back haunting memories to me because of something that happened in my childhood. I don't know what. Sour, you know? bitter, yellow flavors. That's right. No, yeah. maybe something terrible happened to me, and in the background. The smell of mustard was everywhere. And that smell evokes, you know, the same horrible memory. And I want everyone to, you know, who's eating hot dogs or hamburgers of any kind, mustard of any sort whatsoever, they should not be within a mile of me. And they should know that. No, okay? they just shouldn't do it, period. They should the stuff. Well, oh, no, but, but, but hang on. I'm trying to be reasonable here, okay? Not to ban the stuff, but they should not. You know, they, they sh- it should be like one of those things where as soon as you walk around, you know, you, you repel everyone. It's like the, the like reverse a, magnets, uh, right? A, a restraining order force field kind of yes, thing. Yes, exactly right. Everyone has to and move 500 feet Yeah, here comes Barack and his mustard thing. So, you know, oh, my gosh. You know, Barack is now moving down the sixth floor west. Please remove all mustard materials. Okay. <laughs> right? So why not? It's my feelings. You know, I, I don't care how reasonable my feelings are. It's my feelings. Okay? And you know what? There are a lot of people like me who are condiment phobic, okay? I'm not, not just mustard, I, I, you mayonnaise. know. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, ketchup. Hate it. Uh, there's all sorts of things. Pickles. You know, we, we don't like Dice that stuff. Onions. Okay, all right, we get the point. <laughs> <laughs> he always goes one too far. <laughs> so I, I go down the hallway and I just, you know, and, and, and there are a lot of us, we are condiment sensitive, thank you. And uh, <laughs> it's about time you condiment uh, people, you norms out there, condiment norms, uh, you, you take notice. Okay, you see how absurd this is, of course. And you're all saying this is absurd, that would never happen. And the question is, why? Why is it so absurd? Because, by the way, I, I wouldn't doubt that there's at least one out of 35,000 people that do have a phobia, not necessarily a mustard, but something that's bizarre to you, Okay. So you know, people have some. Some people have fear of uh, flights, uh, of, of heights rather, right? And they can't go up up a certain level. Well, you gotta you gotta take care of them too somehow. Um, there's there's a lot of things that that people are particularly sensitive to, and you just don't know what they're sensitive to. Um, you can't for some people you can't say the word cheap. Okay, I, I used the word cheap once, to, to on this uh, on not even a date. It was just a business lunch. It happened to be a woman, and she got very very discombobulated about that. And she just went to town. And I said, okay, I'm never going to say the word cheap in front of this lady. Right? But, but, you know, what if we made a law that said, okay, you know, anyone who's sensitive about this, you know, you, you say the words that you're, you're sensitive to, and anybody, you know, who's having any conversation around you can't say that particular word. Right? What's to stop you from there? Right? So you get the idea. There's, it's too bizarre. But, but it, is, it is simple. Uh, sorry, it is it is bizarre enough. It is ridiculous enough. As I'm speaking about this, where you know, come on, Barack, you can't change the whole world around you because of your pretend mustard phobia. Okay. To which I say, what's the difference? Yeah. Why is it that somebody who's 
feels like he's really a girl. With his pretend is, genitals? Yeah, with his pretend <laughs> genitals. Why does he get to force his out, out, you know, view, uh, worldview upon everyone else and force them? You know, and that's, it's, it's one thing. I mean, by the way, my mustard example is actually far less uh, impactful uh, upon the, the people who, around me by, by my saying, please, would you not have the mustard around me? Just take it somewhere else. Just don't have it around me. And there are but, probably many but, more people like you who hate mustard. Right. But, but it's far, more, far less impactful. But, but the, the, the guy in the, in, the, in the locker room, he's, he, the girls have no choice but to change in the locker room. And now you're forcing them to look at him and to feel a little bit threatened by him, as the case may be. It's awkward. You're forcing this awkwardness, where, whereas my mustard example, it's far less impactful. So why is it that we're ready to jump on this and not on the mustard example? I'll tell you why. Because it has to do with sex. Okay? Anything that deals with gender and sex, that's fair game. Okay? It's all about sexual choices and, and options and, and such like that. It's ultimately about the evisceration of family. That's what we're really seeing in, in the world today. Yeah, the engines of reproduction are what yeah. are completely under right. assault. And nothing else seems to be under assault. Everything else, everyone's about reasonableness, and you know, you can't uh, force your your imposition upon everyone. For example, I may be sensitive to neon lights. Well, you know what? I can't force the world to not have neon lights. I don't like neon lights, okay? Or I don't like those, you know, the things that kind of um, the, the new kind of advertising where they they kind of flush different kinds of um, you know the billboards. The billboards, light up. yeah, the billboards yeah. light up. I don't like that. Okay. And, uh, you know, I find it offensive. Okay. It's just too business. Tough luck, Mr. Lurie. You're going to have to live with it. Okay. I, there's no clamoring for that. There's no bill of rights associated with that. There's nobody talking about the, the unconstitutionality of Mr. Lurie's rights to not be impacted by this. But when it comes to anything, anything to do with sex, suddenly it's constitutional. Why? This is, it's not, not about skin color. It's not about religious preference. It's not about your belief system. It's just about whether you have a penis or a vagina. Why is that so much more significant than my intolerance to the, um, the radiating light of, a, of, of the new kind of billboard or my sensitivity to mustard smell? Why? And the reason is very simple. Because they want to eviscerate the, the structure of family. That's the end game. And that's what we saw from the, the book Brave New World, and they, they've got it spot on. They, they've predicted so many things in that book, and it's also a cautionary tale going forward. I worry about this, uh, and I, I would think that you would too. But one day we'll all, uh, we'll all learn that we were quite wrong, don't you know, <laughs> to, be, to be so focused on ISIS and Syria and the Middle East and to be supportive of Israel or to attack Israel or whatever it might be because all those things don't matter. They never matter. What really mattered was the, great, the grand old fight against global warming and transgenderism. <laughs> that's, that's what it's about. Now, um, this is all about priorities. And, and you, you, you think about this, and we're talking about a subject that seems so trivial in one way, right? But, but that's really why we're talking about it, because it's so inanely trivial. This, this topic, we've made the trivial so important. It's, it's as if we can't, 
we can't seem to focus on anything big anymore. There's no sense of the future. There's no sense of the big picture. Instead, they, they, they really are worrying about whether or not, you know, the, a, a man should sanctify his right to put his genitals in another man's anus. This is, this is how you're, this is what animates you now. And then get married. Yeah, and get married about it, right. Well, you know, they can do whatever they want, of course, but the fact that they, they're trying to sanctify it, that, that's what's so bizarre to me. You know, it's, it's one thing to live and let live and such, fine. Yeah, you know, don't I, tell us about it, you know. Yeah, I, keep I, it to yourself. Keep it to people. yourself. I don't want to hear about it. They don't, look, I don't even want to hear when, when um, you know, a heterosexual couple, I don't want to hear about their sexual activities and, and how what kind of toys they played with and who moaned here and, and where they did it, uh, you know, and where they didn't do it. I don't need to hear that. Heterosexual couple, I don't want to hear. But, but for some reason, when it comes to the gay couple, uh, I'm being told that, you know, you better, you know, not, we're going to teach you all about it now. We're going to make it very interesting for you. And we're going to talk about your sexuality and, and everything else. Right. And isn't it illustrative that those who force us on us when we object, not to people doing this in their own bedroom, in their own time, in their own private sanctuary, but because they rub it in our face the way they do, the first accusation by the political opposition for, well, pushing this stuff is to call you a homosexual then. Oh, I see, yes. That's a, oh, the, to use, oh, I see. A literal yeah. homophobic attack right. on the heterosexual for daring to object. Therefore, to you must be a, a closet right. homosexual. Right, right. I yeah. get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I guess so. Yeah, well, that, that would be very convenient uh, for them, and they can call me uh, and call you, for that matter, whatever they want. But it's, it's, it, it's, it's just, they're just, the, the, we're not going to be celebrating homosexuality. Okay, please, I don't want to do that. Okay, it's one thing to live and let live, like we said. You want to you wanna have sex with, uh, with another man? Uh, be my guest. It's, it's, your, it's your business. It's your body, especially if you're over the age of 18, both of you. But, but I, I don't want to see it. And I don't want to be kind of, I don't want my children to, to be told that somehow it's the normal way of, of business, because it, it ain't. And I don't want this to be mainstreamed. And I, just like I don't want to, there are a lot of uh, things I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see a horror movie. Yeah, I don't want to see sharks eat uh, elephant seals. Yeah, I mean, you know, right. I don't so, want to see animal snuff films, right. and, you know, is, that's disguised as a right. nature and I, I don't want to be told that I, sh I have to walk around naked, for example. I don't want to be told what, co what clothes to wear. I don't want to be told who, with whom I, 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 who I have to date, right? What's next, by the way? That, that I'm, if I'm single, that I, I have to date so many uh, people of minority status and, and eventually so many people of the same sex, you know? What, 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 how does it work? Well, you can't deprive your privileged sperm from the wombs <laughs> oh, I of see. minorities. Yes, it's white, white privilege once again. Right. right. Yeah, there you go. But that, that's as ridiculous as that statement that I just said is, that's their logic. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's, it is bizarre. Uh, and and, and they'll, they'll go forward and they'll say, look, you know, um, I just I can't wait to the one day where, where they discover that some women are more pretty than others and some men are more, you know, uh, fit than others. You. Yes, it's true. It's true. And, uh, you know, some ladies who are, uh, shall we say, zaftig, <laughs> uh, which means... More to love. More, more to love, yeah. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, they're not getting enough attention from the boys, and, and we feel sorry for them. So, you know, we're going to have to force some of you to date them and maybe even have sex with them because, you know, 
it's not nice that they don't get to have love in their lives and sexual, you know, sexuality in their lives. And likewise for the men. You know, we need to have uh, these men who otherwise are not uh, having any sex. Well, you know, and, and they, can, they can say it any, they can prove it or, sorry, they can justify it in many different ways by saying, look, uh, you know, we see all these uh, crazy young teenagers going crazy because they, they've, they've been virgins all their lives and, and they've decided that they're never going to have a girlfriend and that's why they go in their random shootings. Well, by golly, we need to let them get the rocks off. And that's why Heidi Klum has to have sex with Henry Waxman to redistribute this unfair advantage the pretty have over the ugly of getting sexual attention. And not with Henry Waxman. Why? I want her to have sex with me. <laughs> I don't think you qualify for subsidy. Oh, that's that's too. You're kind. not ugly enough. That's too kind. You are. <laughs> right. That is a very nice thing to say. No, but she uh, she's she's quite a, a beautiful lady. Anyway, point is that uh, I hope my wife is not hearing this. <laughs> you're you're going to race this after, right? Oh yeah. After we post it on the internet, <laughs> that's for right. all to see forever. That's right. For sure, all of it. Oh man. I think this will be a very popular episode. I think so, too. This is good stuff. Oh, man. Uh, Okay. So we we are truly pursuing the trivial. Instead of trivial pursuit, we are pursuing the trivial. And uh, that's what scares me, is that in our pursuit of triviality, we lose sight of everything that is big in the world, all the truly important issues. And it's because we, we have to... So many people want to stick their heads in the sand. They don't want to deal with the true issues. And those true issues require the dealing with evil and fighting with evil. And that evil today is known as radical Islam. And the threat that radical Islam imposes upon us all is so scary that we instead turn within and we create new evils that we supposedly have to fight. In this case, transgenderism and their their plight, and because no one's going to be pushing back, because we're all so so supine to use your word, and for that, we'll have nobody else to blame but ourselves when this country truly falls apart. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you soon.